You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be recapping the Wildcats' loss in the Music City Bowl to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Also going to be kind of briefly recapping the season as a whole and then kind of discussing what could be coming in the future. I think, honestly, a lot of good things to come for next year's squad. Going to get to that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would be huge for the program if you subscribed. All right, 21 to nothing was the final score in the TransPerfect Music City Bowl. The Iowa Hawkeyes take the victory over the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky finishes 7-6 and six on the season, Destin Wade, the starting quarterback in this game, was 16 of 30 for 98 yards, averaged 3.3 yards per attempt, had two interceptions. Uh, I think that's kind of where the story starts and ends in this game. Obviously, Kentucky uh, not able to do a whole lot on offense, as you can see by the donut that they put up in this contest. But it's about the quarterback play, right? Had Will Levis competed in this game, he would have, I definitely think, gotten the Wildcats on the board. Now, would it have been enough to win the game? I'm not sure, but what have we talked about quite a bit with this Hawkeyes team? We've talked about their defense, and we've talked about their turnovers, right? They had two pick sixes in this game, and both of them were in the second quarter. In fact, all of the scoring uh, in this game happened in the second quarter. It was a 15-yard touchdown pass from Joe Labus, then it was a 52-yard pick six, and then a 14-yard pick six uh, for the Hawkeyes. And yeah, that's where it kind of starts and ends with me. The running game kind of did what it could, I guess, against a really, really good Iowa Hawkeyes front, 68 yards, 2.1 yards per attempt. Not a whole lot going on in this game, guys. I mean, we expected it to kind of be meh heading into it. I started to realize at the at the end of, you know, all of the discussion leading up to this bowl game that sure, while it may be terrible, at least there was an opportunity for this to be a really slowing, excuse me, really low scoring, close affair. And it ended up not being that. And sure, Kentucky's defense definitely played well. I mean, holding Iowa to 206 total yards at one point in the third quarter, honestly, might have been in the fourth. Kentucky was outgaining them. And Iowa was 0 of 9 on third down, 0 of 10 or on third and fourth down combined at one point. And Kentucky was was playing really, really good defense. It's just those two pick sixes just absolutely killed them from Destin Wade. Kaya Sharon. Not being able to get to play in this game is a little disappointing. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if it was this coaching staff just deciding, hey, we're just not going to play him. Deuce Hogan, actually former Iowa quarterback, uh, walk-on for the Wildcats, came in with 6 of 7 for 19 yards. Yeah, you complete six passes, and it's only 19 yards. Not great there. But uh, again, I want to reiterate, if Kentucky had a different signal caller in this game, do you see the two pick sixes? I'm not sure. Definitely think it's still possible. But I also think that you see them make this game a little bit more competitive. It, I, I genuinely think it was prob- it'd probably be like, what, 14-7 to seven heading into the fourth quarter. And look, we, uh, we didn't expect a whole lot from this bowl game. And to be honest with you, I think a question you have to ask is how reflective is this of the Wildcats season as a whole, right? 
how reflective is a 21 to nothing loss with your third string essentially quarterback in at one point how how reflective is that of your of your entire season now it's not it's disappointing to not see Kentucky get to eight wins I mean obviously there was a lot of hype coming into this year which we're going to talk about in a second but I don't necessarily feel a certain type of way about this bowl game. I think you can tell it in the way that I'm kind of carrying myself throughout this episode here. Not a whole lot doing for me right now for for this uh, for this game as a whole. I'm obviously disappointed that the Wildcats didn't get to eight wins. But at this point, with all of the player opt-outs, I mean, could you have really expected anything else? Chris Rodriguez didn't play in this game. Will Levis didn't play in this game. I don't know, uh, against a, one of the best defenses in America, uh, I'm kind of resigning myself to the fact that I didn't expect a ton about the uh, from this going in. And coming out of it, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. Sam Laporta, by the way, the tight end for Iowa, did actually get into the game as a quarterback for uh, a hot minute there. And I said on <laughs> the most recent episode, I'm like, I'd love to see that happen. Uh, I come back to that now. Not in these circumstances. <laughs> Not in a game where it's 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Again, disappointed that Kentucky didn't necessarily look like they were, you know, all out there cohesively. And uh, Destin Wade, you know, had his moments. He looked okay at times, but, you know, 16 of 30 for less than 100 yards and two picks is never going to really cut it. And, you know, what can you really expect uh, from, from, the, from the freshman there? So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the bowl game. To be honest with you, I think it's kind of okay. We can kind of move on from this loss quickly. Um, because I, I don't think that is truly reflective of the Wildcats accomplished this season. I want to get to what the Wildcats actually accomplished this season. I want to kind of take a look back at what happened this year. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season as we obviously work through it. Uh, to NBA basketball, they've got it all over there at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head your web- to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is BetOnline where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Saturday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. You can find me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore would mean a ton if you threw me a follow over there as well as subscribing to the YouTube channel. Seven and six is the final record for the Kentucky Wildcats in 2022. I came into this year saying that they could probably get to nine and three, ten and two. And obviously they fell well short of expectations. I kind of want to take a dive in here for a second into why that is. And I think it's primarily two reasons. I think it's the offensive line, and I think it's special teams. Now, you may say, well, the offensive play calling was awful this year, and that's obviously why Rich Gangarello was here for only a season before he was promptly booted out before the bowl game. And you definitely could take that approach. I, I definitely think you could blame it also on offensive play calling. Let's group the three in there. But if we're going to focus on two primarily, it's the O-line. Let's start there. The trenches this year for the Wildcats were not up to standard. It just simply weren't. And I'm not calling out any individual player. I'm just saying as a whole, and I think they would agree with this, it was just simply not where it needed to be. The rushing attack from the get-go, even against the bad teams, guys, they could not get it, get it going. 
it was really, really disappointing to see a team that has been so good at running the football over the last, what, half decade be resigned to such an ineffective rushing attack. The Wildcats finished 105th nationally in rushing yards per game. They averaged less than 3.4 yards per carry. It just normally doesn't happen. Last year, they were in the top 25. This team, over the past few seasons under Mark Stoops, has run the football. They've run the football really well. Just back in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, they were top five rushing offense around there with the, with the Naval Academies. I just don't understand, you know, kind of what went wrong outside of scheming and coaching. Because I don't think that these players were, were terrible. And that's why I'm not necessarily going to sit here and call it like any individual effort. But that was a huge sticking point for me. If you have a first round quarterback, you know, under center and you can't complement his skill set with the running game that you have had for so long, even last year. Will Levis was a true dual threat last year. And for that to just kind of be, not to kind of completely be taken away, you know, it's going to hamper you in close games. Speaking of things that hamper you in close games, uh, special teams. It was... (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to carefully word things here. It was very underwhelming to me. Matt Ruffalo, 16 of 24 on the year for his field goal attempts. He was 4 of 8 from kicks in between 30 and 39 yards. So he hit 66% of his kicks. That's just simply not acceptable. And then obviously the punting with, with, um, with Colin Goodfellow. Getting hurt it was was not great to see. But the constant kicking yourself in the foot, getting kicks blocked in close games, you know, muffing punts, screwing things up to where you almost lose on the road against Florida with that one muff punt. You lose on the road in Oxford to Ole Miss in a game that you could have won that you lost by three. You lose by 10 to South Carolina. You score 14 points in the process, while you lose to South Carolina. It was just, it, there was never a point where I felt like this season, Kentucky special teams helped them out in a game. You lose by three to Vanderbilt in a game where, you know, to be honest with you, the climate really affected everything more than anything. But that was also a game where you maybe could have used that extra field goal that Matt Ruffalo missed. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Also, you know, you look at the game against Georgia, 16-6 to was probably, probably about as good as you could have done, to be honest with you. But Matt Ruffalo missing that kick really hurt, didn't it? So it was special teams and offensive line for me. And you go through the, the games that Kentucky lost that they probably should not have. Ole Miss, I think they should have beaten that team. We saw how that turned out for them. South Carolina, I think they should have beaten that team. Of course, they didn't have Will Levis. Vanderbilt, not even going to say anything. So you're looking at three wins right there. That, yeah, you could have ended up losing to Georgia. And you could have ended up losing to Tennessee. And you could have gone into the postseason 10-2. and two, had all things worked out and all things been healthy. Unfortunately, that's normally not the way things bounce, right? 
Injuries happen. You know, sometimes there is scheme failure. Rich Gangarello was not necessarily up to snuff this year. 22 points per game is never going to do it. And so looking forward to next season, I think there are a couple things that we can be excited about. There are a couple different sticking points I want to get to here. Before that, again, just want to remind you guys, if you would please subscribe to the channel, it would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. We are getting ever so close to that 3,000 subscriber mark. Let's see if we can hit it. All right, wrapping up the, the Saturday, almost a Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky. So there are several different reasons why I think we could be excited about next year's team. First of which is the quarterback play. Now, I'm not saying that Devin Leary is going to come out there and he's going to be lighting up the world like Will, Will Levis. Well, to be honest with you, it was, wasn't really light, lighting up the world in his first season, but he was good. He was really good. But I think Devin Leary is going to give Kentucky an opportunity to kind of hold things over, right? Now, I want to get to the schedule in just a second, and we're going to very briefly touch on it. But the fact that Kentucky's going to be able to not get a drop-off, or not have a drop-off, I should say, in, uh, in, in production at quarterback, I think it's great. Also, I just want to point something out. Um, I, I, I can't remember if it was Kentucky's Barstool account or what, but one, one of those Barstool accounts tweeted out and was like, yeah, Destin Wade has the goods. It's going to be great for Kentucky next season or something like that. I'm like, brother, did you forget about Devin Leary transferring in? I mean, that's 62 to 12 touchdown and interception ratio at NC State. You know, there were injuries, guys, but that's pretty darn good to post those numbers. On top of that, he's going to be operating in Liam Cohen's offense again. And I think you're going to get to see Ramon Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer. You're going to get to see him do some really good things in this offense as well. So you're going to maybe reestablish that running game at least a little bit better than it was this year. You got a quarterback that's competent as long as he's healthy, and you've got a trio of three really good potential receivers, plus the tight end, I guess. You got Barry and Brown and Dane Key coming back, which is really exciting. And I, I don't know if Tavion Robinson has that extra year of eligibility. I assume he does. If he doesn't, I'm completely off there and I apologize. But just to have those two, Brown and Key, back. By the way, I called it Dane Key. <laughs> Uh, Kentucky's second leading receiver. I thought Robinson, I think a lot of people thought Robinson was going to be Kentucky's leading receiver this year. Unfortunately, that was not the case, but great speed, great size for both those two players. We saw Kentucky hit a couple of really nice long balls this year to those two guys, combined 10 touchdown receptions, over 1,000 receiving yards. That's going to be a fun duo. If Kentucky can kind of reestablish their offensive identity of running the football, playing complementary football on that side, and you've got Devin Leary slinging it to those two guys, and you've got a solid running game. It's going to be nice. Now, what did we talk about earlier in the show about what is causing problems for the Wildcats? It's the offensive line, and you have to be able to get that fixed. And Kentucky's going to bring in transfers. They've already brought in a couple, which we're going to get to here in the, in the coming weeks. But as, as it stands right now, fix the O-line, get your new scheme back in, or get the scheme back in, I guess. And then roll. I'm excited to see what next year's next year holds. The schedule is going to be difficult. Let's just be clear. The schedule is going to be difficult. The fact that you have to play Alabama uh, is not fun. Alabama and Georgia. But to start off the year, it's actually a pretty 
clean September. You get Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron at Vanderbilt, and then you get Florida. Now, there's obviously an opportunity for things to turn sideways there in the final two games of September. But I think the, that Kentucky would be favored, if all things go right, in those first three weeks. They would be favored against the Commodores and the Gators. The Gators, by the way, bringing in Graham Mertz from uh, Wisconsin after having Anthony Richardson as their quarterback. Feels like a little bit of a downgrade there. Anyway, after that, you go to Georgia. You got Missouri at home before the bye week. There's a great chance Kentucky starts 5-2, and 6-1. and one. Tennessee at home at Mississippi State, Alabama at South Carolina at Louisville is how you end the year. So, pick up your wins early in the first half of the year. See if you can go and beat Florida. See if you can go beat Vanderbilt. I'm sure Kentucky can beat Missouri at home. And then uh, scratch and claw your way to six wins in the back half, I guess. Because <laughs> that's going to be rough. But the offense should be more fun to watch, I guess you could say. So, all things considered, I think it could. there's definitely more potential for next year to be more successful, I think. Especially if the running game gets going. So, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And God bless.